Hello, and welcome to the 10th Single Scoop episode. I can't believe we've already made it this far. I'm JR. And I'm Moldar. And today we're going to be talking about the 2013 smash hit K-drama, The Heirs. As usual, this episode will be riddled with spoilers, so if you're planning on watching it, please do so and then come back to listen. Without further ado, let's get right into the plot. Cha Eun-sung is a hardworking but poor second-year high school student. She flies to California from Korea in order to reconnect with her long-departed sister. Departed as in she left the country a long time ago to live her life in California. And she's doing so because she wants to congratulate her on her upcoming wedding. But upon finding her, Unsung discovers that it's all a lie. Her sister is not having this grand life with an upcoming wedding going on. Nothing is true. And her sister steals all the money that her mom had prepared for her as like a wedding gift. So Unsung is just stranded in the middle of an unfamiliar city in an unfamiliar country that she doesn't really know the language of. But then Kim Tan, who is the son of a chable, watches the whole drama unfold because there's kind of a very public argument going on with this. And Unsung and Kim Tan end up staying together. Once Unsung finds a friend of hers from home who can help her, she leaves Tan and thinks she'll never see him again. However, as soon as she comes back to Korea, she finds herself entangled with him and the rich kids at her new school. What follows is a story of angst, love, and slightly stalkerish behavior. The show was 20 episodes long and started airing on October 9th through SBS. It was written by the famous Kim Eun-suk of Secret Garden fame and directed by both Kang Shin-hyo and Bu Sung-chul. An interesting thing about this show is that it was co-produced by the now-defunct streaming service Drama Fever, which I believe was based in the States. They had a whole plethora of Korean shows and actually had licenses with multiple of the broadcasting companies, which I thought was very interesting. The show did incredibly well, bringing in over 15% viewership ratings, as well as multiple awards. To this day, it still has a fervent fan base that's hoping for a second season, though it's probably unlikely as it's almost 10 years old now. So now that we've talked a little bit about the basic information, let's go on to notable actors. The main character is played by Pak Shin Hae, Chan Sang. She's a poor student that, like we said, ends up entangled with the rich and elite of South Korea. Eamon Ho plays Kim Tan. He is the second and, spoilers, the illegitimate son of a Chaebol's family. Finally, of the main characters, Kim Woo Bin plays Choi Young Do. He is also a Chaebol and a bully that tries to win Eun Sang's affection with some very questionable tactics. There are so many more names that you would likely know if you are a K-drama fan, but this show has quite the cast, so it would take up half the episode if we were to talk about every single cast member who appears on screen. Something I will note, though, is that there are quite a few idols. CN Blue's Kang Min Hyuk plays Pak Shin Hae's friend. FX's Crystal plays Kang Min Hyuk's girlfriend. They have a really cute relationship. ZEA's Park Hyung Shik also makes an appearance throughout the show. He has not the biggest of roles, but he is a fun character. And finally, there's a handful of idol cameos, including Vix and Super Junior's Heechul. Now that we have discussed some of the facts about the show, let's talk about opinions. Old R, why don't you let us know what you liked? So the first thing I liked was that usually when you have foreign actors who play characters in Korean dramas, they usually have like 
no emotions. They <laughs> look like they barely read the script maybe two minutes before recording, and they're just usually just really bad. However, I like that even though these actors slash characters were kind of cheesy and kind of like, uh, they at least were kind of enduring, especially one of them. There was this surfer boy. And he just cracked me up and he was very much full of emotion, which matched what was going on. That is so mm-hmm. different from what we normally get. <laughs> so I was I so that thrilled too. that that was a thing. Because usually, like, if th- generally if there is a good foreign actor in a Korean drama, they're usually something serious or evil. So seeing mm-hmm. someone who was just very goofy but, like, matched what was going on. I was very just, oh, yes, thank you. That is so rare. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, I feel like I have to explain myself now because I wrote here in the script, I do not share this sentiment, which I feel like is still true. This was maybe one of the first of five K-dramas I ever saw, and I was appalled at this guy's acting. Oh, yeah. Okay, if the you're not used to it, in it's particular. a shock, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea that the often white characters are such poor actors. (laughs) And that has definitely carried me through the years, like this idea. I have seen worse characters played by white actors, for sure. But (laughs) this guy is just such a caricature. And I mean, the Californian surfer boy is a character in and of itself, but I just always thought he was so terrible so to see you like him so much i was sitting there like what is going on i was so excited <laughs> How can you like him? he he, he yeah. expressed emotion and it actually felt like he was having a conversation with ton not just talking yeah. at him mm-hmm. especially because the surfer guy was supposed to be a longtime friend of ton's like when he came to the u.s so like this actually kind of okay yeah i believe it Right, right. I'll give him that. Mm-hmm. So, which I'm not used and to he seeing. And he does play a pretty big role. He is the reason that Unsung has to stay with Tan. We didn't really explain this before, but Unsung brings her sister, Bean Powder, <laughs> and this surfer boy thinks that it is a substance <laughs> that could be used for reasons. <laughs> You know what we're talking Um, about. Yeah, yeah, we don't have to go into it. So yeah, he is the reason that they have to come together. So his character makes sense. I just think he is a very poor actor. And you probably won't see him in any American television. Probably not. That was probably like his one thing. But I feel like he served his purpose well for this. Mm -hmm. Once again, it's so rare to see a character who's supposed to be like the foreigner who doesn't speak Korean actually having them like sort of like talk to each other. And make it believable. It is so rare. So Yeah. That's my, that was probably, once again, this was, the difference I think is definitely the perception of your background versus mine. Where it's like, I'm used to everyone being awful, very much stone-faced, no interacting, staying in their own language, if, the, if even that. Although there are some people though, like there have been some actors in the past who were white who, they were supposed to play, like, English characters, but they were actually French or Russian. So even English mm-hmm. wasn't their first language. Yeah. So that, that doesn't help that things either. quite a bit. Mm-hmm. That's true. So. So funny. So, JR, what's the first thing that you liked? Okay, so, like I mentioned, this was one of the first 
K-dramas I ever watched. And because of that, the actors are a really big part of why I love this show. Because going forward, I could look at those actors and be like, oh my goodness, I saw them in airs when they were a few years younger, you know, that type of thing. So many of them have gone on to do really incredible things. So even if it isn't the best written show ever, it definitely was a launch pad for so many talented people. It's pretty much a mockjong, I feel like, you know, it d- it's yeah. got the birth secrets, it's got the dramatic acting, it's got the crying almost every episode. And I think that all the actors did really well within that genre, but they also had enough range that they were able to go on and take on more serious roles or more comedic roles. And it's an ensemble cast. I love ensemble casts. Anytime there's a big array of people all working together to do something or not really together in this case. I just really enjoy the dynamics on the screen for that. So of those actors, Kang Hanil, he plays the group Sunbae in the school. He's not really their age. He just kind of floats around not wanting to go to college. And I think his ending is pretty nice in that sense. He really kind of comes into his own along the way. That's another thing. There's good character development. So he was one of my favorites. And then Pak Young-shik is so funny. He's taken on a lot of serious roles in the past few years, but he really does comedy well. And I hope that one of his next ones will be a comedic role. Something that I liked about the actors was that a lot of them had really good chemistry to where it really felt like, oh, these people have history together. Like Crystal Mm -hmm. and Minhyuk's relationship like, it felt like, oh, they'd been together for a long time. It was established. Or Unsung and Minyok. Like, it felt like they'd been friends for a while. Like, it definitely mm-hmm. felt like the way that the actors portrayed their characters, that there was some... Not depth. What's the word? There was... History? Yeah. It felt like, it felt like there was some history that was going on previously, so it was more believable. Because there's sometimes in dramas where it feels like, no, you two literally met a week ago. Right. And I think that's partially because of the time it came out and because so many of the actors were idols. So they probably did know each other to a certain extent. They were all similar ages. They weren't exactly all the same age. Like, I'm sure Pak Shin-hei and Kang Min-hyuk knew of each other, you know, yeah, because probably. by this point, Pak Shin-hei had acted with CN Blue and FT Island members before. That's right. That's right. So, I mean, they probably met at least once before, I would think. So I think that really added to all those relationships. Yeah, so why don't you tell us your second point? So my second one was that I really enjoyed Crystal in this. And the main reason is that she seemed to be the only person who acted and dressed her age in this drama. (laughs) And I hadn't seen her in any other drama before this, so this set a very high bar for me. I only knew her mainly as an idol. So, like, I knew, like, her talent on stage. But her as an actress, though, I was very unfamiliar with. So if I see Crystal in a drama in the future, I'm more likely to want to watch it just because I liked how she handled it here. Mm-hmm. I've seen her in quite a few things at this point. In my opinion, she's a really great actress. And this was one of her first roles. It was still a supporting role, but I think it was able to really showcase her skills well. Very well. And I think part of that was that she was closest to the high school age out of any of the other actors. 
I think she was 19. Which we'll get into. This, Yeah, we'll get into that. She was obviously one of the actors that benefited from this show because her next role, that was a cameo. But right after that, she got a lead in a show called My Lovely Girl. It was trash, but that was not her fault. The show was bad. She was not. (laughs) It happens. What can you do? But yeah, something recent of hers was a movie called More Than Family, and I highly recommend that to anyone who can get their hands on it. My next thing that I like is that it's a funny show. There's a lot of purposely comedic parts, but sometimes it's just unintentionally funny. And that stems from it trying to be super serious and heart-wrenching, but it just ends up as amusing because they're like 16, 17-year-olds acting like it's the end of the world, when it's really not. They're just dramatic. And that's part of like the soap opera-ness that comes out, I think. So I find that part to be fun. Yeah, it definitely, there were some parts where we were laughing at, it's like, we probably shouldn't be, this is supposed to be very serious, (laughs) but we cannot take it seriously. Nope. Like this isn't a everlasting love series, by far it's not even close to that or stairway to heaven like it's not that serious mm-hmm. and there's no real stakes either we'll talk i feel to like in the we'll end we'll talk about that later yeah, yeah yeah we have we have issues with <laughs> the stakes so what's your final like of the show so my final thing was i just loved the mom i've seen her in a lot of dramas before but in this one she was totally different from what I've ever seen her and usually she's very polished. In this drama she was a maid and she was supposed to look kind of pitiful and downtrodden but also she was so good at sign language. Just how much of her dialogue involved it and like writing down Mm -hmm. stuff and if you didn't know that she's not mute you would think that she was. Because she played it off so well. Right. Like, I don't know how long it took her to prepare for this role, but it might have been a while. Because especially with the motions, like, she got them down real fa- Like, she was using them really fast. So I don't know if she mm-hmm. had any previous education with it. Like, she might have known it beforehand. She's like, oh, I can do this role. No problem. Which that right, would be really right. cool if she did. But, um, yeah, I was not expecting just how all out she went for this role. Yeah. She's already a great and actress. This is Unsung's mom. Yeah, Unsung's mom. Yeah. Clear. Yeah. And it's funny that you say you've only seen her in posh roles because I, I mean, of course, we have a different <laughs> portfolio of what we've watched, but I've just seen her do almost every type of role there is. And she's like, she's my K drama mom. Hmm. I love this actress so much. She is incredible in everything I've seen of her. She really can adapt to whatever role she's in. And this one was no different. End of thought. Goodness gracious. (laughs) Okay, kind of pivoting off of that, my final like of this show is Unsang's mother's relationship with Tan's mother. So like we said, she's a maid, she's a housekeeper, and part of the reason that Unsang is going to Tan's school is because they live with Tan's family. And that's like a whole other can of worms. Anyway... While Tan's mother is pretty terrible at times, as the show goes on, you understand a bit more of why she is the way she is. But overall, her friendship with Unsang's mother is just really funny and really heartfelt in some scenes. And you just feel for both of them. Because in a way, they're in similar 
situations, if that makes sense. Like, by no means is it the same. By no means does that, like, make one less than the other. But they just have a really great bond by the end of the show. And I loved watching that grow. Yeah, it was every time that they were both on screen. I don't care who else was on screen. I was rooting for them. Whatever stance they had, I agreed with. <laughs> Especially like, yes. there's at one point when they're separated because the family moves out of the house. And you're like, please, they need to see each other. <laughs> they cannot just be apart. And that's where it ends. And then sure enough, they do get to see each other at the end. It's like, yes! Like, you're just rooting for them. It's like their happiness. Like, whatever scheme they're involved in. Because at first, like, they're kind of, like, standoffish to each other. But then over time, though, they really work together. And they really respect each other. And also, there's one scene where Tan's mom dresses up to pretend to be Unsung's mom to go to the PTA. And she was doing that because she knows that her housemaid can't speak and was trying to basically help her out. And just, like, certain stuff like that. We're like, they try to frame it as, oh, we just don't want secrets getting out about Tan. But then how it was executed, though, and how they really went about thinking of these ideas was out of just trying to take care of each other. Mm -hmm. I do. I really enjoyed that. That's a good relationship. Now that we've talked a little bit about what we liked about the show, let's discuss what we disliked. And my first point is that 90% of the show is just Tan and Youngdo being the absolute worst men on the planet. Yep. <laughs> and this is partially due to the fact that they both have really terrible fathers that have just not been good examples for them. And they've unknowingly picked up on their habits or they just never had that proper fatherly example as they were growing up. And it stunted them, you know? Yeah. So it's understandable when you finally get that backstory on stuff, but it's just so annoying to watch after a while because they're really pushy, they can be aggressive, and you're just sitting there like, y'all need to chill, go to family therapy, go to personal therapy, and then try to get a girlfriend. <laughs> this is not the way you go about it. <laughs> there were quite a few times where we were talking about how they framed this whole drama wrong. They should have framed it as a horror or like a thriller just because of mm -hmm. how much people were stalking people. People were breaking into other people's stuff. People were stealing stuff. People were following people around for hours, like that kind of thing. It's just... It's just like the way the characters were written. It's overwhelming. They... Yeah, it's very overwhelming. And I feel like you might not realize that if you're younger watching it. Well, I definitely didn't think of it that way the first time I watched it. The first time I watched it, I was a teenager. So watching it now, I'm sitting there like, wow, this is, like you said, overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, especially for Tan and Young, though. It was just all the time. That's like, I'd say about like 70% of the time that they're on screen. That's all they're doing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just like, you guys need to back off. Both of you. <laughs> However, I did like the story arc of them mending their relationship and sort of being like, okay, we're, we're moving past this. We're doing things for the good. And there were a couple scenes where they teamed up together and there's this one involving the house and running away and stuff like that. And it is so funny how it was pulled off. And it's like, you guys should have been pulling these stunts on your parents since the beginning. 
Mm-hmm. Like if you two that had done part that, part of their relationship so awesome. was so underutilized. Man, when they teamed up, it was awesome. But yeah. I also do realize though that part of the mending of their relationship wouldn't have happened without Unsung, because she was really the one mm-hmm. that kind of brought them together. Because when one person would antagonize her, the other person would be upset about it. But then they would go do the reverse, and the other person would antagonize her, <laughs> and then they would be upset. <laughs> And they're just doing the same things over and over and they're being mad at each other. It's like, there's no awareness. You need to give None. her space. Oh my what, goodness. What are you doing? All right. Why don't you tell us your first point of dislike? So this is something that Jair and I both had a lot of issues with. And it's that many of the antagonists didn't seem to understand anyone's goals. They just wanted to bend people to their will while not comprehending that there were easier ways to get what they wanted. For example, Tan's older brother wanted to run the business without his brother's influence and did everything to push him out. But literally, Tan never had an interest in running the business and he just wanted his brother to talk to him. So he literally could have just sent Tan one card for his birthday, like a year, just that, like his only correspondence, and that would have pacified him. Like he would have been just so excited. It's like, cool, mm-hmm. cool. Especially because Tan made it very clear multiple times throughout the drama that he had no yes. interest in pushing his brother out of his place. He was very open about it. And he was like, I want to do such and such instead. And so his brother just being like, no, I'm just going to constantly antagonize you made no sense. But then imagine that sort of frustration and just that kind of scenario with about a dozen characters. It was obnoxious. It was so unnecessary. It's like you literally could have gotten your goal if you did just this little thing. You would have Mm -hmm. no problems. Like, there's at one point to where Tan's like, I just want to go back to California. And it's like, you literally just give him a ticket and he's gone. Your problem is gone. But yeah. then there's at one point to where he gets so angry with his brother who's con- who just like won't give up. He's like, okay, you know what? Fine. I'm going to screw over the business just because you won't stop being a jerk to me. You won't be my brother. <laughs> like, he just has it. It's like, what did you think was going to happen? But then also same thing, though, with their dad. He wants to replace the older brother with Tan, which is stupid because from all the information that the drama gives us, the older brother is running the business just fine. He's great at making connections. He understands the business. He's great. People love him. No problem. He's He actually is a hard worker. He doesn't just take it as, oh, this is my dad's company, so I'm going to do it however I want. He seems to take a good interest in it and does good work. So this was just stupid. I know. And then all of a sudden, people are willing to oust him. And it's like, he's been doing well for years, and now you want to kick him out? How does that make sense? Like, that's an undeserved amount of loyalty to his father at that point. Exactly. And also, like, with his younger brother, you want to replace this person who's known the business, worked really well, college educated, with Tan, who was the hundredth out of, like hundred in his class like he was like the worst student in his year it doesn't make any who has no b- interest in the business and also is not the legitimate son said that he's oh not the legitimate goodness. son either it makes no sense and it was just none of it does constantly constantly like there were about a dozen or so characters who were antagonists and it was like you were stretching this out for no good reason <laughs> like if you just really thought about it you wouldn't need to do that like your goal would be accomplished so much easier with no pushback or consequences there was just so much arrogance 
Mm-hmm. And it was just constant to where the stakes didn't feel real. Yeah. Because that was the thing. Some of the stuff that they set up, it didn't even go anywhere mm-hmm. past like a single conversation, maybe. Like there's a point where one of the antagonists, Rachel, <laughs> she kisses Kang Hanel's character in the hopes that it will create a rift between him and Tan. And it doesn't do anything. Yeah. It literally does nothing for the whole show. And I'm sitting there like, this was just like some dramatic scene that they tried to make more important than it actually was. Because it doesn't go anywhere. Especially because it's like, if she was trying to make Tan jealous, that's not the way to do it. Because mm-hmm. he did not care. And she vocally expressed how she did not care about what he was doing. Once again, stakes doesn't matter it's like anything it's like aha i will defeat you here it's like then the character can just easily sidestep that and a lot of times especially Mm -hmm. of tan he did especially like with his dad when his dad would pull stunts like tan would be like oh that was annoying anyway (laughs) oh my gosh ridiculous that's probably the worst part of the writing, if you think about it. Yeah. That just, the, it just kind of felt like, aha, and then there's nothing there. There were no payoffs. Exactly. So the antagonists were just... Antagonizing for no reason. <laughs> they were just antagonizing. It's just like, you're being an idiot. That's what you are. Like, I can see, like, actual adults acting, like, some of this stuff, but when the kids are like, this is stupid, we don't care, then adults, you gotta find something else. <laughs> the kids aren't following what you think they are. They don't care. Nope. So what about you, dear? Okay, so my final point. Tan's father refuses to take responsibility for the things he's created. And in fact, blames it on other people, which is laughable and also infuriating. (laughs) So one example is that Tan's mother, he's not married to her. They call her a mistress throughout, disparagingly, of course. He is married to another woman who has moved out of the house. She runs a gallery. She runs the school. She's an annoying side character that honestly doesn't show up that often. But Tan's mother has been confined to the mansion. She pretty much cannot leave for fear that people would see her and be like, oh my goodness, there's a mistress living in their house. And so he places her into this restrictive box and she over the years has become an alcoholic. She's emotionally unstable. And for good reason. That's a very traumatic thing to be forced on you by someone who says they love you. Well, maybe he doesn't. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't even say he loves her. Maybe he's just using her for other things. (laughs) They seemed very affectionate at the beginning. It's like, okay, she's the mistress, but he really cares about her and he just didn't want to get a divorce from his other wife. Okay. But then like, as you're finding out, he doesn't care. It's like, well, then that was dumb. Yeah. yeah. So all these things have happened because she has been confined. And then he acts like he isn't the reason for that happening. And I'm sitting, oh, it makes me so mad even now. Because she is like spiraling by the end of this show. And she wants to leave. And he's just being so manipulative and emotionally abusive to her. And... I mean, and that's just like one small part. He's terrible to Tan and to his older brother throughout the entire show. Like we said, he wants to oust Juan, Tan's brother, for no reason other than to put Tan, for some reason, at the head of the company. Never justifies it. Never justifies it. Nope. (laughs) At least not sufficiently to me. 
It did not feel mm-hmm. sufficient enough for you to kick out your... Because in Korea, having like a legitimate son is a big thing. So, and well, historically, across the world, not just in Korea. Right. What am I saying? But for the son <laughs> who is a legitimate, he's older, he went to college, he's interested, he's good at what he does. But because he liked this other girl, but never actually acted on dating her, that you've got a problem and you want him out? Not only that, he is the son of his first wife that he was so madly in love with. You'd think that he would have a deeper connection to that son. No. No, he does not. To nobody. He has no connection to nobody. Yeah. It's like they tried to subvert expectations with the writing, but it just ended up not making sense. (laughs) It just ended up being frustratingly stupid. Mm-hmm. I can see adults acting like that in real life, though, where they're just so stubborn about something. And it's like, well, you could do a blanket. They're like, no, we're doing it this way. I can see that, mm-hmm. but it's very frustrating and stupid in like a story setting. Yeah. <laughs> and also the amount of times where he would say something, he would act on something, then he'd be shocked that there were outcomes from his mm-hmm. from what he was doing. It's like, what? How could this happen? <laughs> like He would just like shout stuff. To nobody. And then, what? This caused something to happen that's bad? Why? No way. (sighs) Constant. Yep, there was a lot of that. Why don't you give us your final dislikes? So, kind of a minor one, before I get into the big one, is that I did not understand the styling of some characters. (laughs) A good number of them, on point, no problem. Like, Tan's mom totally matches her character, Unsung's mom perfect or unsung herself matches no problem but then for everybody else (laughs) the worst one though was tan's father's second wife who i have seen her in a lot of dramas and she is a very pretty lady they did everything to make her look awful the makeup her haircuts her outfits she looked terrible it's like how did you do this why did you do this for what purpose every time she appeared on the screen i just felt bad for the actress because i could just imagine her sitting in her chair as she's getting ready and being like are you kidding me it's just silly the only reason i can think of for why they did that was just like a matter of coding tan's mother is fashionable and pretty and the stepmother is mean and she wears ugly clothes (laughs) It was very on the nose. That haircut was more than just being ugly. That was a whole other mistake. Mm -hmm. That was a whoops. We cut too much. Oh, well. (laughs) Like, that's what it looked like. It looked like an accident where it's like, wait, is her hair like... Which I was doing that a lot. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Or Yongdo's shoes, for instance. There was a time where he was was riding around on a scooter with just flip-flops, which not uncommon in Korea, whatever. But then he had these bright orange tennis shoes that kind of look like bowling shoes at times, which is really strange. And they were just so ugly. He would wear them like with his school outfit and be like, why are you doing that? It doesn't make any sense. Or like, <laughs> this really bugged me. Where Unsung would not match the season, like her dress. It's like, you were still wearing your summer uniform. Like, You cannot tell me that your uniform at your previous school, you didn't have like tights or something to wear underneath. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, they don't give a reason for that because later episodes, she will have tights on. Or Rachel sometimes that that would happen to her. 
And it's like, mm-hmm. was this supposed to accomplish something? It just looks like she's cold. <laughs> like, I understand her wearing tippy-tappy heels to class. Because, like, that's, like, her whole thing is, like, ooh, I'm a fashionista. Ooh. Although sometimes for fashion, it's like, yeah, but you didn't think about where you were going to be going. Clearly. Yeah. You're going to need to go to a spa because your feet are going to hurt the next day. And there were just certain stuff like that where I'm like, this is stupid. The styling just. Yeah. Just. I will say it was very nostalgic for me because I was a similar age to the characters, what the characters were supposed to be. And so while not all of the trends were present in Midwest United States, <laughs> there were things that stood out to me as like, oh, I I had a skirt that looked like that. Those tops were very popular. Every single kid in my class had one, you know? Yeah. So even though a lot of it is atrocious, the patterns that they found, I think some of them were supposed to be like luxurious looking, but they were ugly. Oh my goodness. There's a, To be fair though, there's a lot of luxury brands out there where it's like i don't understand why people are throwing money at you you just make ugly stuff yeah (laughs) like oh for sure i would never like oh this is expensive it's like it's ugly and it's expensive two things i'll just nail it on the head i will never have an interest in buying Mm -hmm. but also once again though it's not just for the kids it's also the adults like i would understand kids sort of you know like experimenting or oh forgot my gym clothes today so i gotta wear you know long pants or something like that but when they do it to the adults it's like, how? Why? What were you thinking? But the final issue I want to talk about is the age of the characters. So, at first, I thought most of the younger characters were at least seniors in high school, if not starting college. But by the end, I realized that they were second year high school students. And for those of you who don't know, in Korea, typically, high school is for three years. So, your last three years of high school, typically, that's what it is in Korea. So when we say second year high school student, that's what we mean. We don't mean sophomores. Mm-hmm. But then at the end, when I found out that they had another year of high school to go, I was very shocked because most of the characters who were teenagers, except for Crystal, looked and acted like they were in their mid-20s at least. Which some of them were as people, just the actors were mid-20s. Which that's a whole other thing, yeah. But usually <laughs> I have a problem with 30-year-olds being written like they're teenagers. But for this drama, it was the reverse. And it was really off-putting when they would be acting with their parents or school officials. <laughs> but there were also a few adults that didn't look like the right age either. Like even if Rachel's mom was super young when she had Rachel, she looked way too young. <laughs> for what she was supposed to be going for. It's like, you can't even argue teen mom. Like, they almost look like they had maybe a five-year difference between them. Like, they looked more like friends than they did mother and daughter. And then the school principal, going back to her styling, she looked at least 20 years older than the actual actress and her character were supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Getting back to what JR said about, well, a lot of the actors were in their mid-20s. True, but then they should not have been cast for those roles. Which I feel like K-dramas are getting better at that. They are casting younger people. This, I feel like, is an anomaly in a way because even Ho had been playing high school students since, what, when was Boys Over Flowers? 2008? That's a long time. Five years is a long time to continually be playing high school characters. But the problem was that him and Youngdo looked very much like they were approaching 30. They they were like... (laughs) 
my dad made me go wash the dishes, like that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Or it's like, mom, can I go out and do, it was just really strange. Yeah, most of the guys, you were looking at them like, huh, you look pretty old. Like you can style a girl to look younger, but there's not as much variation in men's fashion, I feel like. Especially with Iminho, like he very clearly, like they, they try to like brushing his hair down to try to make him look younger and try to have him acting younger. He would never be carded for buying alcohol. Mm-hmm. It's like very clearly. And they would put him in grandpa sweaters. So it's like, yeah, you're aging him up anyway in his fashion sense. Like no, even in 2013, no teenager, even if he was rich, would wear the things he wore. It didn't make I sense. Even if you would say, oh, well, yeah. his mom picked it out for him. It's like, I cannot see a teenage boy going, yeah, I will voluntarily wear this at a public Pink setting. Angora sweater. <laughs> Yeah. I'm going to go to school dressed as this. There were cu- a couple of like accessories too where it's like, I cannot see a teenage boy being cool with this. Mm-hmm. Teenagers would not be like, uh, no, thank you. And it's also not like they ever made it seem that he was fashion forward as a person. No, but there were times where he was clearly trying to be and it was like, it just didn't match his character because he seemed to be like the guy who's like aware of his status, but he didn't really care enough to do stuff about it. Mm-hmm. Majority of the time, he did not care to dress appropriately. Like, he's like, no, no, I just ran over here. It's like, well, you ran over here after going to a fashion house, apparently. Yeah. Like, one character that did have a style, quote unquote, was Pak Young Shik's character. And he, I think, did dress like a teenager. He had, like, some wacky prints, but they weren't old looking. He would wear like snapbacks. It was a lot more of the times of the generation. Yeah. And just to add on to your comment about being confused about the ages, we had this conversation multiple times throughout the show because even I forgot like how old they were supposed to be. And also there's a point where Tan steals Unsung's passport and he's like looking at it and her birth year we think is wrong. If we did the math correctly, she would have been 15. It was something close to that, something not even close to her age that her character was supposed to be. Yeah, it didn't make sense for her to be in the grade she was in if she was 15. Unless so she skipped a grade. we're just sitting there. Which yeah, which they she's never like she, She's kind of hinted at being very smart and hardworking, but we didn't right. see her like, she was not number one in her class, by the way. <laughs> like, that was Minhyuk, Mm-mm. by the way. He was <laughs> clearly the studious one. Right. So we think that the prop department got her birth year wrong. Not Park Shin Hye's birth year, the character's birth year, yeah. just to be clear. That was confusing for sure. And it didn't really click for us until we realized, like the whole time they're calling Kang Hanul's character Sambae. But that's when we were like, okay, if there is a character that is walking around, never in their classes with them, and they're calling him Sambae, then that means that he is a year older than them, and he's talking about taking the college entrance exam and what he's going to do with his life after the school year is done. So then we were like, ah, okay, so they definitely are second year students. That makes sense. But we didn't realize that for until the end, and we had a discussion about it, because for the longest time, we thought he was held back a year because he was notorious for failing class and needing a tutor. Right. But he specifically did do bad in academics on purpose, though, because he was trying to get out of his parents' plan for him, because they were just like, and you're yeah. going to marry this person, you're going to do this, and then he was like, oh, 
So that didn't help either. So that was also confusing. So we thought they were like in their last year of high school for like a mm-hmm. long time. And also like Tan, when we first see him and he's going to school, it feels like he's a college student or like going to community college. So right, that because of the way that his U.S. school is set up, it looks like a college. And maybe it was, I don't know. It was, what was it? The Redlands? Yeah, the Redlands and... California, like they show the name of it and everything, yeah. and it looked but like a it just very school. much looks like a college. Yeah, it was yeah. either a private school or which it might be a private school and a college, but it did not give off the feeling of a high school. So then, when it's mm. like, oh, and he's got another year of high school after this, it's like, what? Because the final two episodes, they're like in the new school year, and the whole time, Old R was like, why are they still in school? Why have they not graduated yet? Why aren't they going to college? What is happening right now? Yeah. There were some things that they did where it's like, it seemed like something you would do right before you're about to leave high school and be like, peace out. I'm not going to see any of y'all again. Mm -hmm. But then it's like, and we got another year of each other. It's like, (laughs) what? Why would you do that then? Didn't make any sense. But I will have to say, though, I was thinking about this, that the most age-appropriate relationship in there, though, has to be Crystal and Minhyuk's. Because oh, there were sure. certain times where they were fighting each other. And it's like, yeah, that sounds like something that teenagers would fight over. like Petty stuff, you know? Like, yeah. that's not too serious. That's not too life-altering. Yeah. Well, some of it was supposed to be comic relief, which it was. Right. But it felt <laughs> more realistic and most of the relationships in there, it felt more realistic than a lot of the adult relationships. Mm-hmm. So once again, they're great, but I, we were just so confused. How old are these people? Alrighty. Why don't we talk a little bit about the OSTs before wrapping up? Yes. So the first one that I'm going to mention is I'm Saying by Yong Gi. As I mentioned before, Pak Shin Hae has acted with him in the past. She's appeared in a music video with him. They're very good friends. So this is an understandable addition to the soundtrack. And it's also so catchy. Anyway. It fit. Yes. Yes, it fits so good. It's the ending theme for quite a few episodes, as well as being played throughout it. So a little bit about the song. It's an upbeat pop track about being regretful of your inaction in the past, but that this person who is singing, they are ready to say everything out loud. The lines that are repeated multiple times in the chorus are, I'm saying I love you, I'm saying I only look for you, stuff like that. Overall, it's just a very fitting track for Tan and Insang's love story because there's a lot of tension in that middle part and some reserved feelings, especially on Unsung's part throughout the show. I also do want to mention that if you are around from maybe 2013 to maybe 2016, that song was used everywhere in K-dramas and reality shows for like a comedic effect in the love lines. And I just, there's such a nostalgia with that song for me because of that. You want to do this one? I know you like the romance. Okay. So another song that was featured very heavily in the drama was Love Is by V Romance's Park Jung-hyun and Park Hyun-kyu. This track is a powerhouse rock ballad with orchestral instrumentation and an electric guitar. The beginning section of the song was mostly used during sad parts and would eventually swell into an epic chorus before being cut off. It is another iconic track that would often be used in other types of media, as we sometimes see with OSTs where people get the reference, so you'll hear it outside of the drama. 
Yeah, and I feel like that is a good indicator for how well a TV show did. If you can hear the OSTs from that show in other shows, that means that it's ubiquitous enough that your average viewer would remember it and be like, ah, I make the connection. Right. And this one is really interesting because this took place a couple of years before V Romance debuted in 2016. And for those of you who don't know much about V-Romance, they were around in the music industry for a long time before debut. Mm -hmm. Like, every single one of them had some absurdly wonderful accolade. Like, they did guides for a lot of very popular songs. They were in voice coaching, I believe. They did a lot of stuff that was, like, very big in the industry. But unfortunately, though, when they debuted... They debuted, by the way, from the same company as Mama Moo. Unfortunately, though, <laughs> Rainbow didn't know how to promote them well, in my opinion. So I'm very happy for them to have an OST for such a big show because they fit it and they deserve the exposure. Mm-hmm. So it's nice, hopefully, that people who don't know much about V-Romance are able to look back and go, wow, this is a great song. What else did these people do? And it's like, they did V-Romance. Mm-hmm. V-Romance is one of those that should have been bigger than they were. You'd think they would have capitalized on the fact that they had so much experience. They had they didn't also like connection with other artists because of their demo work, but there was unfortunate. so much that they did where like it should have been easy to promote them. But mm-hmm. Rainbow did, had no interest. That's one of the things that concerns me about Rainbow acquiring DSP. It's like, oh great, what are you gonna do? Nothing good. I know a lot of people are like, well, they did this and this for Mama Moo. It's like, yeah, but don't just look at how they treated certain artists. Look at how they treat all artists. Because that tells a bigger picture. Like, of course, they treat their cash cow well. Why would they not? They're what's bringing in money. <laughs> V-Romance should have been an easy, bigger cash cow, though. Mm-hmm. There's no, They should have been the next SG wannabe. Like, they should have been winning day songs. If Rainbow treated them right, they should have been up there. Instead, they're not. <laughs> And it's so annoying, which is, once again, why I'm very happy that they're here. Please check out V-Romance. If you're going to check anything out, check out their song, I'm Fine. I would recommend that. Or also The Jobless. That's what it's called. Both of them are excellent. And please give V-Romance more attention, I beg you. So the final OST we want to talk about is called Moment. And it's by 2AM and OM member Lee Chang-min. This is another iconic ballad. This show is just ripe for the picking with ballads. The chorus was mostly used and again was used in loving or sad moments, very emotionally charged ones. And all of the songs that we have mentioned were just so specific to their type of scene that you could probably guess which one was coming up. And the vibe of this one and Love Is, they're quite similar. And I have a great meme up on our Instagram about these two songs. If you want to check it out, it'll be linked in our description. I, you know what? I'm going all out with our Instagram <laughs> from now on. Oh, you know, no. I'm going to have stuff in the slides. So always make sure to swipe to see what else is on there. But yeah, why don't you finish this up for us? Okay. Overall, the airs, while at times is an angsty, questionably written mess, it skyrocketed multiple careers and makes it for a fun watch. Right now, it can be watched on Netflix and Viki. So we highly recommend you go try that. Yes. If anything, for the nostalgia. It's got a good nostalgia factor. 
Also, it's one of those things that where that drama appears to be recommended a lot. Like, I remember on Drama Fever, as you said, I'm pretty sure it used to be on Hulu. I don't know if Hulu mm. still does Korean dramas. There was a time where they had they do, a small they do. selection. Yeah. And I seem They're to remember this being on there. attached to Vicky. Everyone ends up on Vicky. <laughs> Is that where we no. watch this? No. We're not talking Shh. about the location. Don't say anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> So you were, you would recommend it. Final thought. I would recommend it just because it's a name that comes up in a lot of the yeah, actors. It's a classic. You've seen for sure. Yeah, it's you think twenty it's worthy episodes. of the title of classic. Well, I think it counts, but I don't think it's okay. <laughs> I don't think that it's up there with like Springwalds. I would never put it up there on that like that that level of perfection. No, this is just one of those things where it's like it's pretty common knowledge like people a lot of people have seen it and reference it so then you're you're gonna be in on it yeah yeah it's fun at the very least it's fun it's definitely a ride thank you for listening if you enjoyed the episode then please make sure to rate subscribe follow and tell your friends about us if you want to interact with us or just see more of our content then you can follow us on twitter at kpop or on our other social media platforms which will be in the description More single scoops are coming your way soon. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Annyeong.